Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 166 of Brewers on Tap. It is good to have you with us. The Brewers sit this morning at 65 and 62 on the season, and they wake up on a Thursday, three and a half games out of first place, three and a half back of the Chicago Cubs, and three back of the St. Louis Cardinals. And in the wild card, the Brewers sit three back as well of those St. Louis Cardinals who currently occupy the second wild card spot. Brewers had a tough week, a road trip through D.C. and then St. Louis. And in D.C., they split the first two games, losing a really tough 2-1 to game to the Nationals on Friday night, a game in which Adrian Hauser pitched an absolute gem. Saturday, they won one of the craziest games maybe ever. And here is a listen to it. Delivers. Swing and a ground ball through the right side of base hit. Lyles is in. They're going to send Grisham. Here comes the throw. It's cut off. It's 2-0 Brewers. Swing and a shot down the left field line of fair ball. That'll score a pair as Keston Hira digs into second base. It's a two-run double. And the Brewers double their lead. It's 4-0. Infield in. The pitch. Moustakis right through the drawn-in infield is single. Keston Hira comes down to score. It's a five-run third inning. The Nats would get two back in the bottom half of the inning on a two-run home run from Juan Soto, his 26th of the season, coming off Brewers starter Jordan Lyles. And more trouble for Lyles in the bottom of the fourth when Adam Eaton would smack a three-run shot out to right with two outs to tie the game at five. In the top of the fifth, Matt Grace was on to pitch for the Nats. Ryan Braun with one out would hit a line drive out to right that would hit on top of the wall and make contact with a fan. Originally ruled a double after review, Braun would trot home with his 17th home run of the season and a 6-5 lead in his back pocket. Top of the sixth, Gray still working for Washington, and Manny Pena would pinch hit, deliver a leadoff single before Trent Grisham came to the plate. 3-1 pitch. This is hit well. Left center field. Robles going back. He looks up. It is gone for Trent Grisham. Grisham hits his third of the season. And the Brewers lead it 8-5. to five. Lead was short-lived, however, as Freddie Peralta would come on in relief of Drew Pomeranz, who worked a 1-2-3 fifth inning, and Peralta would run into immediate trouble. Kurt Suzuki led off the six with a double, then Victor Robles would bring him home with a double of his own, and then Howie Kendrick walked before Trey Turner launched a three-run home run, and the Nats had taken their first lead of the game. It was 9-8. to eight. The Nationals would add two runs in the seventh on a two-run home run from Kendrick off of Ray Black, and they led it 11-8 going into the ninth. Sean Doolittle was on to close it for the Nationals, and it would not go well. Yelich was the first to face him. High fly left, drifting back. Soto at the warning track, at the wall, it's gone! Christian Yelich, number 40. It's a two-run ball game, it's 11-9. And for Christian Yelich, he is now the seventh player in franchise history with 40 home runs in a single season. Hero would then follow with a double and then listen to what happened next. Two and one on Moustakis, Braun on deck here at second, a run in. Doolittle throws. 
Swing and a high fly. Back Robles at the track. It is gone! We're tied in the ninth. 11-11 on a laser hit by Mike Moustakis. Braun two for four today. The pitch. High drive. Deep left. Brewers have taken the lead. It's 12-11 on Braun's second of the night. Holy cow! His 18th of the season. All of a sudden, this looked like a W for the crew, but if you stuck with this game all night long, you knew it wouldn't be that easy. Josh Hader would try and save the game for the Brewers in the bottom of the ninth, and he'd give up an RBI single to Victor Robles to tie it at 12 before loading the bases with nobody out, but... It's Josh Hader. He struck out Turner, Eaton, and that set up a two-out showdown with Anthony Rendon. The 2-2. Struck him out swinging. Went back to the fastball at 97. And we are destined for extra innings here in Washington, D.C. Extra innings we would go in the top of the 13th, and Yelich was looking for another. Guerra throws. Swing and a fly ball. Right center field. Back Eaton on the warning track. It is gone! Another home run for Christian Yelich. Number 41. And the Brewers have taken a 13-12 lead. Jeremy Jeffress, who pitched well over his two and a third innings, he'd allow a walk and then a one-out single before giving way to Junior Guerra with runners on the corners. Guerra was the 19th pitcher used in the game. He'd allow a sack fly RBI to Robles to tie it at 13. Guerra would then get out of it from there, and it was on to the 14th. Starting off the 14th, Ryan Braun worked a leadoff walk before Eric Thames faced Javi Guerra. Here's the 1-2 to Thames. Hit in the air, deep right center field. Going back is Eaton. He looks up. Bye-bye baseball! Eric Thames goes deep, and the Brewers back on top. It's 15-13. After allowing an unearned run and having runners on the corners, Guerra would face Nationals pitcher Joe Ross as a pinch hitter with two outs. One-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a fastball at 94, and the Brewers hold on to win a crazy one here in D.C. In 14 innings, the Brewers 15, and the Nationals 14. So the crew picked up that big win, and it set themselves up to try to get the series win on Sunday, but Sunday didn't go so well as the Nationals cranked out eight home runs on their way to a 16-8 victory over the Brewers. Crew then turned their attention to the NL Central, and one of their rivals that they're competing for the top spot with, the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals running hot right now, and St. Louis shutting out the Brewers on Monday night, 3 to nothing. Dakota Hudson had a no-hitter going into the seventh inning, and in fact, the no-hitter continued into the eighth inning with the bullpen trying to, to finish it for St. Louis. But the Brewers, who had 37 hits between Saturday and Sunday's games, didn't get a hit until Yasmani Grandal collected a hit in the eighth inning. So the Cardinals won 3-0 in that contest, and then a very good game for the most part on Tuesday that got lopsided late as the Cardinals put a bunch of runs across in the sixth and seventh innings to win 9-4 over the Brewers. But the crew able to salvage a game out of the series, coming back and winning 5-3 on Wednesday. So the Brewers come home, they get ready for the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals, and they get ready to try to make their push over this final month plus of the season, try to get themselves back into the playoff 
picture. Um, they're in the playoff picture, but try to get themselves back in a playoff position for the second consecutive year. All right, who's hot? Well, Mike Moustakis had a really good road trip. Eight for 20 on the road trip, but four home runs and 11 driven in. Ryan Braun has hit safely in each of his last 15 starts. He's 22 for 56 over the course of that time with three home runs and seven driven in. And Adrian Hauser, who pitched that game on Friday we told you about that was a tough luck loss for him. He pitched again on Wednesday and pitched really well. Went five and a third. Probably could have gone deeper, but had uh, a little bit of a letdown behind him defensively that allowed a couple of unearned runs and piled up that pitch count a little bit more than it needed to be. But in his last three starts, 18 in the third innings, three earned runs, and 19 strikeouts out of Adrian Hauser. So uh, some of the Brewers really performing right now very well. Of course, Christian Yelich and Keston Hira still doing their thing as well. And Lorenzo Cain starting to swing the bat much better. He had a good last couple of games in St. Louis at the plate. We have a lot for you on this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. We're going to talk to Eric Thames, and we're going to talk to Ed Cedar as well. Plus, we'll check in on the farm and check out the Brewers minor leagues as that is winding down, see who's in playoff position and who is not, and then we'll tell you what's coming up as well. That is all here on episode 166 of Brewers on Tap. Let's catch up with the crew and Eric Thames. Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone again for Ryan Braun. He just hit another three-run shot out of here. Time to catch up with the crew. Eric, first off, you have had a penchant for the big moment this year. You had the big home run on Saturday night. You had a walk-off home run on the last homestand. That has seemingly been something where you've come up big in those spots. Is there anything to that other than just going up there and staying within yourself and trying to find your pitch? Um, No, you know, baseball's a weird sport, and um, luck has a lot to do with it, but... It's having a clear head and kind of just like looking for a pitch and putting a good swing on it. And there's times when I'll do that and then pop it up or I'll swing through a pitch or roll over it. And sometimes, you know, you barrel it and um, it's in a big situation. So I don't really feel like it's much different, Um, you know, but it's always nice to have a little adrenaline, big situation. Like, it's always fun. A little bit more into it, you know. Baseball's a roller coaster. There's ups and there's downs. Do you feel like this year for you individually has been more of a kind of a steady go than than the previous two years um yeah i feel like my first year is also the learning experience um about being back in the big leagues and last year you know just fighting through i didn't get much playing time so i mean obviously aggie had a great year uh there wasn't much playing time besides pinch hitting and pinch hitting is tough as a as a full season so uh that's all in the past and this year i try to stay consistent with my work and so on and so forth but um it's been a little frustrating. I feel like I've hit some balls hard, like right at guys or, you know. And it, it's just tough a little bit to kind of get past that and kind of stay in your approach and keep doing your thing. But, um, yeah, my whole goal this year was to be consistent and getting on base and uh, driving runners in. So, so far, so good. We mentioned the big blast on Saturday night and, and what was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Was that was that one of the craziest games you've ever been a part of? Yeah, you know, just the back and forth of the scoring and even like that last inning, I'm just like, oh, man, here we go again. You know, it's like, come on, we got to hold him this time. And our pitching did a great job holding him. But, yeah, it was definitely your heart was in your throat the entire game. So I'm glad we got the W. How long does it – and you're a guy that's very in tune with your body and, and how you recover and everything else. How long does it take to overcome a night like that and then turning around the next day and playing again? I mean, that can take a lot out of guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll, it takes – I mean, 
I mean, we'll fill it for a while. I mean, we have an off day on Thursday, so that's definitely going to help. But just the heat, I mean, it's not so much like the length of the game, but just like the humidity. Like all of us lost probably like five, five to eight pounds, you know, of course, of just like sweating and everything. Um, so it's tough, but you got to wear it, and that's part of the game. That's where Craig Council seems to come in as a, a guy that really understands that part of it really well, and he'll back off a little bit with BP and things of that nature on the next couple of days after after a couple of games back-to-back like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like like you said, like he's played, he knows. Uh, this time of the year is always a grind. Guys get tired, legs are a little heavy, so... Um, as much as you can kind of stay off your feet and uh, don't swing as much, you know, that's when things, uh, guys get their rest. Dakota Hudson was really good last night for the Cardinals. Michael Waka goes tonight for St. Louis. This is a guy you guys have seen in the past. Uh, what stands out to you about Michael Waka and what he, the challenge he presents? Uh, haven't really faced him in four or five months. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a good pitcher. He has good downhill angle, um, a solid pitcher for them. Um, we just have to get a good pitch and hit. I mean, that's all it is. I mean, last night I feel like we got some pitches to hit and we didn't hit them. Um, and it's tough. Like, if you don't hit those pitches, then it's going to be a long game like it was last night. So um, you just got to get a good pitch, good quality pitch to hit and drive out and drive it. Eric, always a pleasure. All right, thank you. Eric Thames quietly putting together a really solid season for the Brewers over at first base. And you heard him talk a little bit about the frustrations of last year. Jesus Aguilar had the big year, really cut down on his playing time. But Eric Thames right now, when you start looking at his numbers, a two fifty four average, 17 home runs, 49 RBIs. His OPS is just under eight fifty at eight forty seven. That is a very, very solid number. And um, he's playing overall very good defense at first base as well. He's had a really nice season and you know, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities against left-handed pitching. Um just has a home run, 5 RBIs, hitting just 205 and 39 at bats, but he's done a really nice job against right-handed pitching and it's been good to see Eric Thames and he's been really good at home specifically, 278 at home. Uh the home runs pretty much split down the middle between home and road. RBIs kind of similar, uh, but he's had a really nice season. And the Brewers have been lucky to have Eric Thames producing like he has been. Well, the guy he gets to high-five as he rounds third is a fan favorite. Ed Cedar, one of the great guys and one of the real characters in the Brewers clubhouse. I had a chance to sit down with him and talk about the outfield in particular with Lorenzo King not having a gold glove, but also the addition of Trent Grisham and what he's brought to the table. Let's break it down. Eddie, it's always good to talk to you. Let's start with the campaign for Lorenzo Cain to win a gold glove. Like, I think we almost need to have, like, an official campaign this year for it. And you would be a good head of that campaign committee, I would think. Yeah, well, I'm always in with with Lorenzo. It's just amazing. Uh, We get the pleasure to watch him day in and day out. Um, Like I was just saying, he's had three of the, you know, they do the top plays, the three top plays of the month, like each month and everything. It's just amazing that he's you know never won one even though I know the rankings that they do like he had the second most runs saved and that I think was first with outfielders last year and was the second most in all of baseball it's just amazing that he has he has never won one it really is one of the mysteries in baseball right now but uh, hopefully that'll change at the end of this year you have a you have a young outfielder right now in Trent Grisham that you had a chance to work with a little bit in the spring but 
Uh, he's made some tremendous catches early on in his Brewers career already. What has struck you about the way he goes about his business and the way he has been able to play defensively? Because obviously we all see what he's done offensively as well, but he's made some great plays defensively. Yeah, yeah, he has, and it's uh, it's been fun watching him. You know, like you said, I got to get a little glimpse of him in spring training and watch him do stuff. Um, but uh, it was kind of cool the first day. You know, I have the outfield cars that – you know, this gives you where you should start setting up, and you know we make adjustments during the game or to which pitcher comes in. And he right off the bat, I could tell he was into it. He right off the bat goes, "All right, you got to let me know if I don't pick you up if we're making a change and stuff like that." So he's very in tune to what's going on. And, um, I haven't had to go, "Hey, you missed me. I was trying to move." You. I haven't had to do that yet. It's uh, not on low stage. Low's really good. Where I, I can just I just get a little taller on the bench and Lowe will throw his hands up. Okay, what? Where do you want me? But uh, he hasn't gotten there. But Chris, he, he notices me standing and he'll get, he won't give me the, what? Where do you want me going? You know, hand movement, but he'll just <laughs> nod his head. And it, so it's uh it's nice to see when people are you know paying attention and they take a lot of pride in their defense. You know, every outfield is different and. Uh, the ability to navigate those outfields can change, especially when you're young and you're in these ballparks for the first time. But it seems like some of the difficult catches he's made, that's what he's been able to do is navigate some of those cutouts out in the outfield. Oh, yeah. There, he made one in the Washington yeah. series. Uh, it might have been, well, I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the ball was hitting to the left center, and it, it does have that cut. And he caught it right at the cut and avoided the fence at the same time. It was a pretty good catch. All right. You have a team that has a lot of speed on the base paths, and and uh, it looks like the last couple of days really starting to get going offensively, which is always good for you. It means you have more company at third over the course of the game. What have you seen from this team offensively over the last couple of days? Uh, like you said, um, we're becoming, well, we always were kind of aggressive as far as going first to third and doing stuff like that, or first to home. They've always been pretty good at that. Uh, we're starting to get the mindset of uh, maybe trying to steal some more bases, you know, because we sometimes we have problems, you know, hitting with people on base. So we're trying to add more pressure to the defense on teams that you can do it with. Uh, this series, you know, you got Molina behind the plate, and this team will plays pretty good defense. We'll probably be pushing the outfielders. So every every different series, it's a different thing. Um, we know Robles could throw. But we knew the push the corner guys, and they did a pretty good job at that. And we saw he got off some good throws, the center fielder. But um, so you know, you got a different mindset going into the St. Louis than you would preparing for Washington. But uh, yeah, the guys kind of get into that, and um, they they do a pretty good job of following what Carlos has going over there at first base or at second base. And in our meetings, like I said, I'm just, just something as simple as, hey, we're pushing the corner, guys. We're going to go first to third, or you're scoring from second. So they know they know in their mind before it actually happens. Well, Eddie, we appreciate it, and congratulations. I know you reached a milestone today on Candy Crush on your iPad, and we're all very excited for you there as well. I know. I just said I'm one of the top players. Uh, I ran out of I have, I have no more games to play. they got to make up some more games for me now. Man of many talents. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a great day later. Checking in on the farm. Well, as we go down on the farm, we highlight some of the different brewers' farm hands and 
some of these teams that have put themselves in position for a playoff push, the San Antonio Missions, they have had a hard time from a pitching standpoint over the last month or so. The Brewers have really had to dive into that San Antonio roster with some of the injuries to their rotation. But the Missions still sit at 75 and 53. They are a game and a half back of Round Rock in the American Southern Division of the Pacific Coast League. And one real encouraging sign was on Wednesday night when Shelby Miller, you know Shelby Miller, the former big-time prospect, St. Louis Cardinal, Arizona Diamondback, Atlanta Brave. Shelby Miller threw six scoreless innings for San Antonio on Wednesday, which was a very encouraging sign. In A, well, you know the Biloxi Shuckers are already going to playoffs. They won the first half in the Southern League South, and the Shuckers are 35-23 and 23 in the second half as well. They are a game up on Jacksonville in that second half. They have had some outstanding pitching over the course of this year. Trey Shupak has been great for them. Of course, he's up now in AAA with the San Antonio Missions. But Alec Bettinger has been a guy that has probably put himself in position, quite frankly, to potentially uh, be the Brewers' minor league pitcher of the year. There's going to be a handful of guys in that conversation, and I would say that Alec Bettinger could be one of those guys. Bettinger on the season has put together an ERA of 355. He's 5 and 7, but that's over 24 starts and that was after a horrendous month of April. He's been really good recently. 134 and a third innings. That leads the Southern League and uh, he's just been really solid for the Bre uh, Brewers Double A affiliate over the course of the year. Drew Rasmussen is a name we keep telling you about. He's a really intriguing name. Rasmussen has just pitched uh, uh, some big-time stuff that he's flashed over the course of this year. He's pitched up and down. He was really good in A and high A. They moved him up quickly. The Brewers very aggressive with him and getting him into double A. He's now accrued 55 and a third innings at double A, a 3.74 ERA. He's made 16 starts. Brewers have been careful with him because of the Tommy John situation with Drew Rasmussen. Uh, but his last few times out have been pretty encouraging as he has now thrown uh, scoreless baseball in his last three outings. And that totals eight innings over the course of that time and 12 strikeouts. So uh, encouraging, just two walks in that span. And then the other name uh, for the Shuckers on the mound is Dylan File. He has been outstanding. Eight and two with a 2.62 ERA. Uh, he threw seven scoreless clear back on August the 5th, six scoreless in his start before that, six scoreless in his start before that. And he's only given up four in runs over his last 10 innings, once he finally started giving up a few runs again. Dylan Files had a really good year. He started the year in high A and quickly got promoted to double A. As we look at high A, the Carolina Mudcats uh, having themselves a tough second half. They had a pretty good first half overall. It's not been as fruitful in the second half for the Carolina Mudcats as Carolina is just 23-35 and 35 in the second half of the season. But uh, they've had some good performances as well. They've had that roster turnover a little bit with guys getting promoted up to double A. But Mario Feliciano is a name to keep your eye on. 273, 19 home runs, and 78 RBIs on the season from Mario Feliciano. Really good stuff from him. And then the other name to keep an eye on is Phil Bickford. Now, Phil Bickford is a really interesting name. He's 24 years old. He's a former two-time first-round draft pick. He was a big-time prospect with the Giants. He was a part of the return in the Will Smith trade to San Francisco, along with Andrew Susak, 
Bickford's had injury issues. He's had a hard time getting himself on the mound. And finally this year, he's been able to get himself back out there. 17 games in high A. He has pitched to a 2.93 ERA over 27 and two-thirds innings. But he hasn't given up an earned run in a long, long time. Um, he has been downright dominant, uh, to be honest with you. And he has not given up an earned run since all the way back on June 30th for Phil Bickford. So June 30th, he gave up an earned run in two-thirds of an inning against Potomac. Since then, he has made 12 scoreless appearances for the Carolina Mudcats. That's pretty encouraging. And we'll see if he gets a shot at double-A with the Shuckers being in the postseason to test his stuff up there. If The Brewers are conservative with him since he's had a tough go over the last couple of years. But encouraging stuff there, none the least. And then finally, in Class A, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers having themselves a really nice second half. They have played well in the second half. It's been good to see with that very young team. And in the Midwest League's Western Division, they are 32-26 and 26 in the second half. Now, they're five games out of first place in the second half, but just good to see them playing as well as they have been. All right, that is a look down on the farm. We're going to tell you what's coming up. Here's what's on tap. Here's what we have on tap for you coming up. The Diamondbacks come to town this weekend, 7-10 on Friday night, 6-10 on Saturday night. And there is a Scooby-Doo 50th birthday celebration theme night ticket package. You can go to Brewers.com for more on that. Sunday the 25th, that's Jasmine Grandal bobblehead day. And then on the 26th, the Cardinals come to town for three big, important NL Central games. Miller High Life Monday on Monday, 6.05 start. Note the start time. That is earlier than original. That time has been changed and moved up. 6.05 start time, then a 6.40 start time on Tuesday, and then a 1.10 start for the final game of that homestand against the Cardinals on Wednesday. Then an off day, and then off to Chicago for three games with the Chicago Cubs. That is going to do it for us in episode number 166 of Brewers on Tap. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next week as the Brewers get set for a brief three-game series in Chicago. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Lynn Grinville.